Welcome to the Ramble Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Primus, father, entrepreneur, filmmaker, athlete, hopeful writer, and dedicated wanderer. I'm curious to learn more about how people live their lives, their struggles, and passions, and pains. So every week, with athletes, entrepreneurs, healers, adventurers, and beyond, I'm going to have unbound and uncensored long-form conversations about people, places, pursuits, and performance. Enjoy. Hello and welcome back to whoop, the ramp. <laughs> My microphone fell as I did the introduction, but hey, we just roll with it here. I have the very, very special privilege of talking to a very, very cool, successful, amazing entrepreneur. And this conversation has been in the wings for some time, and um, it's all my fault. We'll get to that in a second. Um, Mike Regina. Mike is an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, a family man, a team player, and a leader who thrives on observing the masses and doing the opposite. But Mike does it better, too. We will get into that. Getting up at 3 a.m. to attack the day is just the beginning. Connecting thousands of people a year strategically for the purposes of increasing their business is not a typical business model for growing a company. Creating multi, multiple multi-million dollar companies that do not compete on price is a classic blue ocean strategy. Mike's entrepreneurial journey started when he launched a car wash and detailing business in high school. He understood at a young age that working for others would put him in a box and be a lid on his achievements. Additionally, Mike recognized that delivering a great product and service with a smile and a genuine interest for each client was critical to a successful business. Mike has since developed key strategies to remove the lid by being intentional, impactful, and reciprocal within his communities. He continued his unrelenting entrepreneurial drive by co-founding multiple companies, including Big Sky Enterprises and Global Post Auditing Solutions in 2016, a leader and disruptor in the transportation freight solutions for Fortune 500 companies. Mike currently resides in Charleston, South Carolina with his wife, three children, surfing, golfing, and exercising still keep his competitive blood flowing as they have since his youth. When not fostering personal and professional community development, he's often found at the athletic fields supporting his kids. Mike, welcome. Let's go, Joel. Dude, it's so good to be here, brother. Thank you so much for having me on here today. I am stoked. I'm stoked too. And I have to like level up because your energy is so big and my energy is kind of like mellow all the time. I'm like, okay, you've got my- I'm definitely the opposite. <laughs> Let's like, okay, I know, I know 5 a.m.ers. I know 4 a.m.ers. You're the only 3 a.m.er I know. Let's go. I listen. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's it's just one of those things that in order and, and and you can appreciate this because you know the importance of routine and whatnot. But in order for me to take what my, one of my philosophies is, in order to I have to take care of myself first in order to give more of it. So, you know, having kids, having businesses, having to do all the things you have to do. I just found that if I got to if I'm going to be able to do it, I got to get up earlier. I got to get up earlier, and I got to get up earlier. You know, because once the day starts, it's over. And then once you have kids, your, you know, your afternoons, evenings are shot. Yeah. In a good way. In yeah, a good I know. Way. Of course, you know, you're, 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 you're prioritizing both in, in that, but it's not an easy thing to do. It isn't. It isn't. I, I tried 4 a.m. and I didn't even make it a week. I always tell people, you know what? Hey, if I invited you to go over to Europe, would you go? And yeah. they'd say, yeah, of course I'd go. 
I said, okay, so then you can adjust your time. <laughs> it's just a matter of doing it. And then you just do it in increments of let's say 15 you know, minutes, like this particular week, go to bed 15 minutes earlier, you know, get up 15 minutes earlier and then just, you know, keep going back and forth. I, I am uh, an anomaly from the fact that I don't need a ton of sleep. I can operate on five hours. Yeah. I, so what is what does it look like for you? You know, 3 a.m. to 6, you're probably pretty quiet with the rest of the world. So what do you do? So first thing I do when I get up is actually I do, uh, you know, prayer time, meditation. Uh, I'll do a, you know, a devotion. And then after that, I'm, I'm off to the races. I'm off to the gym. Either I'll, I'll work out at my house or I'm going to the gym and, and working out. And then I'm in the office by between five, five thirty, and the day is rock and rolling. So that gives me a good two hours typically before anyone's coming into the office. So doing my morning routine of having a bulletproof coffee mm-hmm. first thing, and then, you know, diving in, you know, answering or responding to any emails that I need to respond to could be reading, uh, you know, a book, you know, for 10, 15 minutes, just kind of just, mm-hmm. you know, getting a little bit of inspiration and whatnot. And you know, just kind of attacking the day because you know how it starts. Once once the people start coming in, the fires start coming. So <laughs> you got to be there to put them out. But that's, you know, again, in the morning, it's taking care of, you know, taking care of myself first so I can give more of it. Again, you know, being able to do a lot of work in a short period of time in the morning allows me to be able to focus on the team and, and whatnot and all the other things that happens mm-hmm. throughout the crazy day. You know, I, I'm a night owl, but do you find it hard to, you know, one, maintain the bedtime and and to, to make that possible? And two, you know, is it, what's your cheat day? What are you like? Yeah, I'm getting up at six today. Screw it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It, I would love to. Okay. It's not that I don't want to, especially on weekends, right? So weekends can be, I'm up until, I mean, it could be 10, it could be 11, you know, it could be later, you know, it, it it just all depends on, you know, what's happening, what's going on. And I am one of those that I will keep going. But the minute that I sit down yeah. or lie down, like on a couch or whatever, it's over. Mm-hmm. It's over. I mean, I, I've, you know, and when I go to sleep and, and go to bed, when I put my head down, I mean, I could be sleeping within 20 seconds. Oh. I've had sleep anxiety a lot of my life. Uh, it started when I would have an important race as a runner. The you know, so say it was like a eight a.m. race time, and I'd have to be up at five or four, and I'd get so in my head about well, you need eight hours, and if you don't fall asleep, you're gonna have a bad race, and you're gonna be tired. And I, I, sh- I can't. I still haven't shaken that. Is it, is the funny thing about it is I can go to bed at any time, like you said, lights out. And wake up at any time if there's nothing on the calendar before noon. But if there's a 6 a.m. call with New York and I'm on the West Coast, I'm you know, I take CBD or I take like melatonin or some kind of thing to just help it along. You've never had any of that, like, oh gosh, I'm getting up at three. I better get to sleep. Otherwise, I'm gonna the head starts spinning, the ideas starts, you know, whatever going around. No, I mean, I I would say that I've had it. I don't. And, and it's more or less, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily the fear of I need to have this many hours of sleep in order to be productive on the next day. Mm-hmm. It's just, I'm so jazzed for it <laughs> that I can't get to sleep. Right. So it's like, 
I'm excited to attack whatever it is, whether it be a game, a match, a competition, uh, Hey, I'm leaving to go somewhere, a meeting, whatever that may be. I just, I'm jazzed for it. And I don't want to be late. Mm -hmm. Like my fear is that phone, you know, that alarm doesn't go off and I'm not ready for it. Yeah. No, and then I'm like, I'm obviously you're like, geez, when this guy stopped talking about my sleep schedule, I find I love it. Fascinating. I think it's, I think it's a truly remarkable thing that you're doing uh, to, to, to carve out that time for yourself, to have that discipline daily, to know what that discipline, you know, the return on investment of that discipline is to, you know, in your business, in your personal life. And so many of us get caught in that, uh, not being able to, well, here's the thing, you know, a drink, do you drink or do you not drink? I do. I so do, do drink. You, yep. Do you ever find that makes it harder at 3 a.m. to like, not like you went on, on a bender, but like, let's say you had two beer. Do, do you find that the 3 a.m. is harder with two beer in you the night from the night? So, to, you know, and, and typically during the week, I mean, I'm not, I might have a drink one or two afternoons yeah. type, like late afternoons or something like that, maybe at a friend's or something. I'm not one of those, like I need a drink in order to decompress or anything like that. It's just, I don't know. I just, I don't need it. I I think it's, it's just, you know, being, being, you know, just who I am. It's, I I think it depends on what I have going on. Like for me, it's, I've been disciplined all my life, you know, which I'm, I'm grateful for. I I've embraced the suck of, Hey, guess what? I'm going to get up early. But of course, you know how, when you wake up and you're like, I don't feel like doing this. Well, guess what? I go and do it. And then it's like, I have the most killer workout or the the, the most killer prayer time and whatnot. And I just get all this inspiration. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, you have to do it because the days that you think that you can't, it's like, that's when you go all out for whatever reason. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's something that's triggered in our minds or whatnot, but it's, you know, it, it's just going and doing it. And look, I I've been, I've been, I've done both. Right. So I've, I've been where I've worked out. I've pretty much have worked out all my life. I started working out at eight years or eighth grade, whatever. And, you know, throughout my whole life, I did have a break in my adult life when I was, you know, working a lot, coaching young kids, all that stuff. And I just, I ate anything and everything and I just blew up. I mean, I didn't blow up to the point where I'm, you know, completely overweight or whatnot, but I lost like 25 pounds. Uh-huh. And because, you know, I was someone that was fit most of my life and all that kind of stuff. And then I just kind of gave up on it. And you just, I just know the return on not staying disciplined, how much energy I have, how much better my thinking is, how much more creative I am. I mean, it's just, it's all gone because you're just, look, you're taking in bad. Right. Absolutely. You know, bad was, in, bad out. What was the shift for you where you realized you needed to get back in your body? And what I mean by that is, you know, I think when we're healthy and we're we're eating healthy and we're working out and we're feeling we start we feel better in our body. But where you were able to sort of course correct, a lot of people don't. A lot of people never fully get back into the routine, especially over the long haul, they might have a good six months. They might have a good three months. And then it's, ah, well, this, that, and the other. Right. 
And this, that, and the other are all real excuses in most of our lives. But what was your thing that made it possible to just know I am back in this and then you've stayed? You've been consistent. You know what? I, I think arms, it's self, yeah, I think it's self-respect, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's it's just respecting yourself and just recognizing that, hey, guess what? You know what? This body can do so much more when it, it's fit, right? And again, I've never heard anyone say, hey, once I started working out, I started feeling terrible, mm-hmm. right? I mean, everyone that says, hey, oh my gosh, Mike, I'm so grateful that you motivated me to work out. I mean, I have so much more energy. I'm stronger. I want to do more things. I'm not finding that I'm tired all the time. It's crazy. It's like the more exercise you do, the more energy you have. Meanwhile, it's like you're taking all this energy and you're doing more things Mm -hmm. physically, but it's giving you more ability to do even more things physically, right? So for example, yesterday, worked out, right? Was, you know, up at uh, three o'clock, did my morning routine, worked out, played nine holes with my daughter. You know, I mean, that's a two hour thing. Then come home. My wife wants to go for a walk. We go for a walk like, and I'm fine. Like that's just a lot physically, but because I'm doing the the physical thing and staying fit, eating well, not all the time, but most of the time, it's allowed me to do the things that I wouldn't be able to do at 49 years old. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, flexibility, all those things. It's so important. I mean, I just, I run into so many people that I'm like, how old are you again? And they're like, oh, I'm 30 something. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, you're you're already experiencing that. You're already experiencing knee problems. You're already experiencing this. You're already experiencing you don't have flexibility in this. And like I'm like, whoa, because I made it a priority, it's allowed me to do so much more to be able to do all those things that I just talked about. And honestly, I'm gonna need it as I continue to age yeah. and do things. Look, I love I love to to be outside. I love to compete, competition, golf, surf you know, all those things. You can't do all that if you're not fit. Yeah. I mean, you can do it. You just, you can only do it for a short period of time. Man, I hear you. And there's so much that we could go into on the longevity benefits of of lifelong fitness. And I want to talk about surfing a little bit later, but you know, you're a business guru and I don't, I don't say that lightly. I don't know. Maybe I've said it on a podcast, but I don't think I've said it on a podcast. I want to go back to the beginning because I think that there's something inside your origins story that is important to um, to entrepreneurs who are starting and, and or have a business and a business partnership is breaking up, et cetera. And we can get into, again, why. So I, not not your car wash, but when you spent some time working for your father, and then there came a point, and I'll let you describe it, where there's a disagreement or a, a different opinion of something with your brother, and your dad said, "Hey, it's time to start your own businesses, boys." So I want to know, you know, a what the story was, but b the thought process, the experience, the breaking away from the, you know, the the parental figure to going it alone to to having to understand, you know, your rightness or following your own instinct in, in, in the debate that was going on. I want to, I want you to unpack that whole thing for me, if you can, Mike. 
Sure, absolutely. I, you know what? I think it's important, you know, to just even go back to the the car wash, just from a standpoint of I learned back then that I can't work for someone. <laughs> I recognized back then that look, if I work for someone, I'm going to make five dollars an hour. If I work for myself, I can make thirty dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that there is you know, we're talking six X, right? And it's on my time. And it's all based on if I do a good job, I get repeat business. Like the, I tasted the entrepreneurial life at that point. And I had no problems running all throughout the hallways of an office building and just asking people who wants their car washed. Mm-hmm. Right. So that there just allowed me to just taste the entrepreneurship and knowing that guess what? I am cut for this. Mm-hmm. I'm cut for this. And I and I knew I was just, you know, just my personality and attitude was always like, I'm going. Mm-hmm. Like, anybody want to go? You don't want to? <laughs> you don't want to go? Oh, I'm going. So if you want to come, great. If not, I'll talk to you about it. Yeah, next um, yeah. Right. So, you know, fast forward to uh, my, my senior year in high school, my dad starts a concrete business. He had been in construction and development, you know, pretty much most of his life. And that's where I cut my teeth in concrete and the construction industry. And I always say that concrete is hands down the greatest life lesson that anyone can do. And the reason why is, is because you get one shot at it. It's not like framing a house where you're framing a house and you're like, I'm tired. Um, Let's go get a beer. And uh, you know what? Uh, you know what? I'm just, I don't feel like doing this anymore. And then you come back tomorrow. Concrete, rain, shine, whatever, it doesn't matter. You have to finish it. Otherwise, you're coming back and breaking it out. So planning, all that stuff that comes into play in order to make sure that it's successful, having the right tools, making sure that the right people are there, ordering the right amount of materials, all those things is all in concrete. So that taught me the greatest life lesson in business. Mm-hmm. And I had my son do it too, just for that purpose as well, when he was younger. So fast forward. So graduate college, go into construction management. My dad then goes from concrete into construction management. And I learn everything I possibly can within about a six-year period. And, you know, just a sponge to everything. I want to try everything, every piece of equipment I'm hopping on, I'm learning, I'm becoming an expert at because I want to be the most valuable person on a project, Yeah, you know? So the only way to do it is to go do it and to ask questions and to hop on every, you know, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand, ask questions, ask questions, all that kind of stuff. So we, uh, you know, now that we're into our twenties and we have relationships and whatnot, we finally have an opportunity from a relationship that says, Hey, we would love for you guys to bid on this. You go see if your dad would be interested. And we did. And, you know, our dad says, Hey, you know, why don't you guys go put the numbers together and then we'll sit down and discuss. And then we'll go from there. And we're like, excellent. So it was probably about a half a million dollar project, you know, which to us, was like a gazillion dollars because here it is. It's our relationship. You know, we're stoked. We're like, it's 500,000. We're bringing sales to the company. <laughs> you know, this is awesome. And then, you know, we we go and talk to our dad. We're like, hey, we, we think it should be this number. And he's like, you're about 40, $50,000 short. 
And we're like, nah, no way. This is this is the number. We think that's way too high. And, you know, we we think it's this. And, he, you know, my dad's very much a thinker and whatnot. And he drives around. He, he likes to get in his car and drive around. And he comes back like 15 oh, yeah. minutes later. That's the and best. he goes, "Here, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. Look, you're young. I've taught you everything you need to know. I want you two to go and pursue this. If you get it, great. If not, you'll figure it out because I don't want you to be 50 years old. I pass away and you need to go figure this out. Mm-hmm. Well, my brother and I were stoked. We were stoked because you know what? We wanted to have our own because it's not that we didn't want to work with our dad. It's just, hey, guess what? Two different perspectives, right? We're going to get to point A right mm-hmm. here but I'm coming this way and, you know, my dad's going this way. So it's, it's just, you know, like how, like you're, you're a tiger in a cage. And I just felt like we had like a lid to where we were going. Yep. And this here opened it up and boom, we attacked at the time I had a literally a 12 month old and a one month old (laughs) and not once, not once for one minute, did I question or was worried about starting this business? That's amazing. I just wasn't. You know, for those of you who don't have a 12, that is a 12 month old and a one month old is a lot of personal responsibility outside of a business. I, so let's, I, I, I want to just ask a, a question that digresses back to college. You were already an entrepreneur in high school. Did you have, did you ever have a thought that said, Hey, I don't need college. I'm just going to go. I'm not going to spend whatever it is, hundred grand, two hundred grand. I'm just going to go and start something. Did that ever cross your mind, or what was the what was the impetus into saying no? I need the education piece. Sure. So I will say this: going back to going back thirty years, college wasn't a hundred grand or two hundred right, grand like right, it right. is today. Yeah. So that that's number one, right? So you know, from an investment standpoint, it was. Hey, this was, I think, I think my school was maybe $15,000 a year, right? So I'm going back to 92. And you know what, for me was I'm playing ice hockey and you know what, this is just what you do. Everyone goes to college. It's just four years where you go find yourself and you, you know, you, you get a major and whatnot. And I wasn't, you know, necessarily sure. And I don't know how many people are, Right sure of what it is that I wanted to do. All I know is, is that I just wanted to do something awesome. Mm-hmm. And whatever it was that I put my hands to, I just, you know, wanted to crush it. So it's didn't know even then. And then in the summers, I, you know, I did concrete all throughout the summers and whatnot. Uh, and then I ended up working for, like I said, I ended up working for my dad. I studied marketing. Look, to me, I I told my kids, okay, I've got three kids two that are in college right now, one that's in middle school. I've told my kids their entire lives. I don't care about your school grades. I don't care. I don't care what you get in school. I only care about one thing. And that is that you are a solution to a problem. Mm -hmm. Because if you're a solution to a problem, you'll go learn everything that you need to learn to solve that problem. You'll go leverage every person that you need to leverage to solve that problem because you're not going to know the answer to every problem, but you need to be able to figure it out. You know, when you talk, sorry, Mike, no, go on. No, when you talk about things like, 
your objective to be the most valuable person on the job site. In other words, the most indispensable person on the job site. And, you know, and telling your kids, inspiring your kids to be the solution, to be a problem solver. Is there any mind to the realities that we're facing as a society today with the rapid acceleration of artificial intelligence the and what that's going to do for the workforce, to the workforce, excuse me, you know, even jobs like a bloody family doctor might be either irrelevant or no longer allowed to practice without, you know, AI there verifying, you know, opinions, et cetera. Is there any mind either that you have or they have to just how different their adult world is going to be than ours was? It's it's definitely going to be different, right? I mean, look, ours was different from our our parents, yeah. right? Every generation is always different. I mean, we just improve in so many different ways. I mean, just think about what the internet did to our generation, mm-hmm. or I should say my generation, right? I The internet came on board when I was in college. Like, it's like, whoa, what is this internet thing, you know, back in the 90s? And that changed the dynamics of information, right? Encyclopedia Britannica went by the wayside. And now here you go, you have everything here, right? You had Yahoo, you had AOL, and then Google wasn't even on the scene. And then when Google came on the scene, it just busted everybody out. Look, you have to be a disruptor. You have to you know, think through blue ocean strategy, which I absolutely love, right? It's, you know, everyone wants to go fight and eat each other. And, you know, there's blood in the water, blue ocean, go create your own, right? Solution, you know, for example, I don't know if you if you read the book, but I think one of the great ones is, you know, the, the Ringling brother, Barnum and Bailey, you know what, they never changed. And then, you know, the animal rights and the costs and insurance and, you know, taking care of the animals. And then boom, over here pops, you know, Circus Soleil, which is a human circus and there's no competition, mm-hmm. right? So regardless of AI, guess what? You still need people. Mm-hmm. So you need to go figure out what it is that is a problem and go become a solution for it. Mm-hmm. So look, at the end of the day, I mean, yep, AI is going to do it, but are they going to be able to look down my throat? I mean, I don't know. Are they going to be able to take my blood? I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Look, regardless, you got to be flexible. You got to, you got to change. You got to educate yourself. You got to stay in the know, and you got to stay focused, confident, mm-hmm. and believe that regardless of what comes, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I'm going to figure it out. Is that? Did you ever? not have that mentality? No. And I suck as a student. (laughs) I suck. I suck. Let me me put it this way. I suck as a student for things that don't interest me. Now you give me something that interests me. I crush it. I mean, look, I, you know, it's, it's just, I'm not big into science. Okay. I'm just, it didn't excite me. You put me in a math class. Let's, let's go all day long. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that's that's the problem with the school system at large, and it's not necessarily the school system's fault. It has, you know, it has to operate like a factory, and that's you know what it, how it was originally designed. You know, coming out of the industrial revolution into saying, you know, how do we industrialize our children to to work in these same capacities that happen in the factory? And you kind of get cookie cutter this, cookie cutter that, and and teachers, to their credit, have to manage thirty plus people, but I think the evidence is is 
very, very clear that all students should just follow their passions and, you know, learn whatever else you have to learn. But that is where the, that is where the true learning actually takes hold when you get to, when you get to chase your curiosity and learn about it, not when you have to learn about, you know, social studies, grade nine, that I don't remember any of, of, and well, now it turns out none of it was true anyway, at least in Canada. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I haven't read yours, but, you know, and so it's just, you're just, you're speaking about a fundamental human, a fundamental way that human beings learn that for whatever reason is the opposite of what the system is. And you're the opposite entrepreneur. So it's like, you know, for the parents on board and, and that's, and that's really, but when did you take on that idea? Like, when did you see you've, you've taken going back to your business, you you've separated, uh, you and your brother have gone on your own, you're, you know, in Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, which you and I talked about on our, on our uh, TikTok and your, on your um, tips and 10, this idea of like setting out on your own journey, you know, now you're there. Right. And when did, okay, I'm not thinking about this correctly because everyone else is doing it this way. I have to be opposite. Like when did this thought leadership and this business acumen start to blossom for you on that path? You know what? I, I, I think it just did at a young age, right? I mean, look, every day show up and show out, yeah. right? Respect everybody. Give it 100%. I tell people, look, if you gave it your all, you can't be disappointed in yourself. For example, let's just even take golf, for example. Look, if I practice every day, right? And I put in, let's just say an hour every day. If I go and I lose a match, you know, against someone I played, well, guess what? I'm not mad at myself because I just happened to lose. Mm -hmm. It guess what? That's just the fact of life. I'm I'm not mad. Now, if I go and I play this person and I don't put any time in, well, guess what? That's on me. It's just if I show up and give a hundred percent, that's why I like when I go to bed, right? I go to bed, I'm in, I'm asleep in 20 seconds. I've given everything I can to the day. I can't give anymore. It's I've I've done it all. So it's just showing up, showing out, and doing everything that you can to make sure that you put yourself in the best or yourself, your team, whatever it is, in the best spot possible and just serve. Mm -hmm. Just continue to serve. Serve your customers, serve your your people, serve your fam, whoever it is, your friends, just keep serving, mm -hmm. right? And Th that right there to me is just the foundation of business and and being successful and again that's not monetarily i don't you know i don't put that as like you know whatever you make monetarily it means you're successful no it's you know you define what success is mm -hmm. i just think that it's just showing up showing out and you have to be different you you know, I, I talked to, you know, my wife's, you know, starting an interior design company and I said, honey, wh what's going on? She's like, I, I don't know how to do this and that, and I need this. I need that. I said, you don't need anything except to just go, mm -hmm. just go start. Look, you're great at it. You're very good. Let people, you know, go on, uh, you know, Facebook groups in the local area and tell them what you're doing, put your cost on there or don't put your cost on there and, keep throwing pictures and watch what happens. 
yeah. you stay out in front, right? Out of sight, out of mind, but just stay out in front. What do you mean that every every interior designer is the same? You're completely different. You're different. You're 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 gonna service them different. You're gonna talk to them differently. You're gonna do the way that you act is going to be completely different than anyone else. If you be so, if you be authentic to authentic, yourself. you yeah. have look for me, I am I mean to me, it, you know, fake it till you make it, no way. You're 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 gonna get yourself in trouble. Cause you know what? But you, you just be yourself. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something that, that is true entrepreneurship mm-hmm. is just being yourself, yeah. your authentic self. And it's, and the it's the hardest thing to be. It, yeah. I think it's, I feel like it's the hardest thing to be, you know, because we're so indoctrinated with different ideologies from every sphere of ideology. Right. And I don't just, I don't mean religious. I just mean, it, call everything an ideology, call fashion an ideology, call success an ideology. And, you know, we're just, we're just inundated with it. And I think the, I think the advice you gave your, you gave your wife was at least it's the way that I live uh, as an entrepreneur. You know, I, this, you had to burn the ships sign behind you. And it's kind of like, you know, go out, burn the ships. Don't give yourself an out, you know, you're going forward. Know that, you know, what's the Lao, um, the, the, Taoist quote, you know, journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. You know, you, and, and as you're going through it for most entrepreneurs, do it. The, um, you know, the yellow brick road is, is only going to unfold a few steps in front of you anyway. So you don't have to know everything, you know, and even if you have a business degree and a business master's degree and a doctorate in, in business, if you start a business, there's always in any situation, just the first few steps that you have to deal with anyway. Right. And of course, you know, having an understanding of where it goes, but you know things tend to fall in place with the intentionality and the commitment. And you're big on intentionality. You know, you go on your website; it's you know, be intentional with everything you do. And I have to ask; I want you to explain that. But I, I you know, was it your father? Because I think that you're from what, the sense that I'm getting. My learning curve as a business person from a mindset standpoint was was not as intuitive as yours seems to have been. Did you have a a mentor? Did your father help? Who who helped you shape these ideas that are so integral and valuable to an entrepreneur and to a human? Yep. So my dad, very, very instrumental in my business life for sure. You know, from a background perspective, my dad was a teacher. Right. He was he was a gym teacher. Uh, he was a football coach, basketball coach. He taught us so much in business. Right. I mean, just so much and learned so much. You know, he taught us every aspect of business on the finance side, on on the the construction side, you name it, sales. I mean, he taught us it all. But at the end of the day, you still need to go do it, mm-hmm. it you know, to become an entrepreneur. You you either have it or you don't. And one of the things that I will say that my dad taught us was nothing's a problem. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Look, we l- let's just say this. You know, most people would say, "Hey, uh, I can't build that office building with four, you know, with four pieces of uh, paper, right? I need, I need like I'm used to having thirty with every detail. We're like." You mean to tell me that you need a page that shows you how to put a nail into a piece of wood? 
you like, and, or, Hey, you know what? This isn't lining up. This, you know, pipe is running into the foundation. Okay. Well, the foundation's here. We're not moving it. And so we're going to need to move the pipe and we're going to come up with a solution. I mean, that's where I think I learned so much about being a solution oriented person. And to me, that's everything. Flexibility, right? Hey, got to change on the fly, right? There's nothing you can do. I'm not going to just stand here and do nothing and say, hey, I'm waiting for someone to, uh, you know, for an architect or an engineer to tell me what to do. Look, I I know what they're going to say. I know what the, what the, you know, and a lot of people that work behind a desk that not on the field, well, they don't know because they've only just worked behind a desk. So based on what their, what, you know, their computer tells them is, you know, how it should be. And that's just not the case. And so, you, you know, I learned all of those tools, but at the end of the day, you either have a set of balls or you don't. <laughs> and that goes for guys and girls. You know what I mean? I mean, just talk, you know, masculinity as you shared. And are, that's not necessarily. Are we going to unpack know. what you just said, Mike? Are we going down that road here? <laughs> <laughs> How much time do you have, Mike? Because we- <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, no, I think you're right. And, and it's because entrepreneurism alongside the internet, you talked about, you know, became this very accessible thing. The internet entrepreneur boom of really 2010 to 2023, you know, maybe before that, but like the big years where people started to realize that they could do e-commerce, that they could become, you know, via social media, they could become influencers as entrepreneurs. And then I have lots of friends who have the greatest entrepreneurial minds of anyone I know, and they've yet to start a business. Mm-hmm. They know every trick. They know every process, every software, and yet they can't pull the trigger. And then they always come to me. And this is not this is not a criticism. It's a you know, it's like I want to start this this thing. It's like I'm not sure, man. Like I'll like I'll support you no matter what. But like you're gonna come back to me in a week, and two weeks, and three weeks, and you're telling me the same thing. I'm gonna start. I'm start. I'm gonna start. It's like maybe you're an entrepreneur. Like maybe you need to be an entrepreneur inside a business, mm-hmm. you know, where you have that structure and framework that's de-risked to explore your ideas. It's it really isn't something for everyone, but some people have surprised me. Is your wife? Would you call your wife a true entrepreneur, or is this like heck no, heck no? But she is no. going to be one in this situation, or you're kind of the, she, the whole the guiding hand. She, look. You know, in her in her particular situation, this is something that she's going to do. That's going to be a passion that she's going to love. She's, it's not it's not necessarily right now like required for survival or anything like that, right? It's just doing something that she loves, that she has a passion for, that she's good at, and can make money. Now, is this something that she could do? You know, down the road, you know, where she could be an entrepreneur? Absolutely, right? I, entrepreneurship too is also about confidence, Mm. right? To me, I knew starting the company that it was going to be successful. I just, I I just believe that I'm the best solution to the problem. Mm -hmm. I I believe it. I don't care. I can go walk into any business and feel like, you know what? All right. Give me the high level. What's going on here? What is it that we got to do? Or what are the challenges that you're having? Okay. Let's figure this out. It's a people thing. 
Yeah. I mean, that's what it is at the end of the day. I mean, business is just people, right? Managing people, managing expectations, being solutions, you know, to people. Look, I don't, I've ran projects with hundreds of people on it. I, I'm not a professional at this. I'm not a professional at that, but I can learn enough to make a decision on what it is that I need you to do and that person needs to do in order we can get to that other person that they need to do that's right after you. And you know, it's just connecting the dots. It's just connecting the dots. Yeah. You know, and just starting. It's just, just go, just start. Look, every single entrepreneur that started their first business, they knew nothing. Mm -hmm. They knew nothing about business. Mm -hmm. I don't care that they knew about whatever this or that or this. They knew nothing about business. When Elon Musk started his first business, he knew nothing about business. He might have known something about whatever it was yeah, that he was doing on the tech side. Was, yeah, the, but yeah, starting a business, now now you're like, wait, I don't, I've got money, but I don't have any money. I, I got a person. How do I how do I motivate someone? How do I hire someone? How do I avoid being sued? How do I go sell this project? It, I mean, all those things. No one knows anything. So just start, go get it, figure it out. Every, I mean, I, I yeah. believe that I can figure it out. Well, yeah, I think that this is this is a thing of where the power of blocking and tackling, you know, to, to, to look at, if you look at, you break down, you know, any given football play into the individual components, right? Block and tackle, right? Like this, you, you extrapolate that into business. It's like, okay, I might have 15 problems, but if I just solve one at a time, I block and then tackle that problem, isolate and tackle. All of a sudden, fifteen doesn't look so big anymore, right? And and Eli, you know, you brought up Elon. It's he's a good example of what you talk about. You know, buying Twitter, you know, throwing down forty four bill billion. And but he's an he, unlike a lot of the billionaires who play the know it all game. You know, they pretend to be know it alls, or they are. I don't know. Maybe they are. Elon, how many times since he bought Twitter have they like, oh, we're doing this. Oh, we're taking that down. Oh, we're doing this. Oh, we're taking that down. Oh, check mark this. Oh, you know, labeling it this way. And and he said it publicly, like, I'm going to change my mind. Now, he he does everything live, which is kind of, you know, there's a two-edged sword to that. But he that is, he's teaching people so much by doing that, by saying, because, you know, we live in this in this world today where, you're not allowed to be wrong. And if you're wrong, you don't admit it or you're canceled, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> where, where he's, where he's doing it all in real time. And he's showing you, I'm the richest bloody man on this planet. And I'm going to be wrong all the time. And I'm just going to keep going. Like, what did he say before he launched that last space? SpaceX. SpaceX one, but the, I, you know, forgive my timing. Cause I read something and then I didn't see, see, whether he did it or not, but he said, this, this is probably not going to work. This, um, this particular rocket, this particular rocket's probably not going to work yet. We're doing it anyway. And it's like, wait a second. He's willing to just throw a rocket up there that he knows is not going to work and just say it ahead of time. You know, Jeff Bezos, when they had the, the failure of the fire phone, what did he say? Yeah. You wait till you see my next failure. It's going to be even bigger yeah. than this failure, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, so you can't. Yeah, you can't be afraid to fail. You know, and and look, you know what I love about too um, with with the SpaceX and, and Elon, and I think it's it's important. Guess what? 
they they create they created the largest spaceship to ever be launched in the history of man. What does that tell you about private industry? Yeah. The governments have been around forever, NASA, all those things. They never put anything like this. That's why it's so important, you know, private and whatnot. Just I mean, the creativity behind it and the the you know, the the oomph to be able to say, hey, we're gonna do it, we're gonna try it. And guess what? They learned so much from that failure. Like mm-hmm. they're gonna build it better. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where you're gonna get, you know, all of your 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 lessons are from failure, not from your successes, which you talked about, you know, on uh tips and ten and so TikTok. Talk me, yeah. So talk to me about, you know, intentionality. Talk to me about you know, getting clear clarity. Talk to me about these things. Cause I know these things are big for you, and I think that this is a good point of the conversation to bring them up. Yeah, I you know, for me intentionality is so key, right? It's just doing everything with purpose. People always say, Mike, how is it that you can do this and that and this and that? Like I can barely keep up. It's just being intentional. Like I'm intentional when I walk. I walk with purpose. You have a, do you have a, do you have a good walk? I have my, my walk. Like a is sexy a walk or what is it? Beast. <laughs> it's a beast it's a walk. Beast, right? <laughs> so, and, 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 and my walk gets me in trouble too, because I walk fast. Uh, so yeah. I get my wife who's like, you know, are you going to wait up? Uh, are you going to hurry up? You know, like type deal. It's just it's just knowing where you're going and getting there and doing it as fast and effective and as efficient as you possibly can. So it's just taking that mindset of intentionality and just putting that into everything, doing everything with a purpose. Right. I'm getting up at three o'clock. I'm being intentional with getting up. Why? Because I know the importance of, you know, filling myself from a spiritual aspect. I know the importance of filling myself from a physical aspect. And I know the importance of starting work early before the world does. So in order for me to be more productive now, in order to take on, you know, the challenges of the day. So it's all about being intentional, right? I'm I'm going to get to the airport early. Why? Because it's not that I want to be there early. I'm planning. I'm being intentional. If I get on the road and I get a flat tire, do I have enough time? I'm not going to assume that everything is going to be perfect. I'm going to be intentional about why I'm leaving early. Mm-hmm. And then when I get there, hey, guess what? Okay, good. Yep, we're here an hour early. So what? Guess what? It could have been worse. Now what, what are we going to do with our time? Right. And then whatever that time is, then just being productive with that downtime. Mm-hmm. For example, so I just built a you know, I just built a new home, uh, moved in last year, and I had one room that was initially storage. It's now my golf simulator room. It's awesome. It's sick. I come home now. Your what simulator room? A golf simulator room. Oh, golf like simulator have, room. Yeah. Okay. So I hit my balls there. I got you know, the, the video cameras I've got, you know, it tells me how far I hit it, you know, the lighting, the furniture, it's a man cave. Oh, that's a, that sounds so, sick, man. It's sick. It's fun. <laughs> it's awesome. But now I'm being intentional. So in coming, instead of coming home and maybe sitting down, you know, or, you know, doing whatever it is, I'm coming home, I'm going to be productive and I'm going to work on my golf game. You know, it's just, you know, when, when you drive that intentionality and that productivity, it, it it's also a motivator and a confidence builder too as well. 
Mm-hmm. So that that's what happens with intentionality because you just it's focus. Mm-hmm. You do know, you, do you put on. the intentionality and the clarity together, or this idea of being clear? You know, explain that to me. Yeah, I don't look. I, I speak on clarity, right? I, I think it's important, but you know, clarity is going to come from you know having a discipline, doing things over and over again learning, right? Testing and measuring. I mean, that helps bring clarity, mm-hmm. right? Trying this, trying that. Oh, that doesn't work. I need to do this, you know? So that drives clarity. I mean, you're not going to gain clarity unless you do things. Mm-hmm. And the more that you do it, the more clarity you're going to get. Do I'm things f- and, and be and have a practice of awareness of yes, not, not blinders as to Exa- what's happening, oh, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Look, I mean, I, I can't, I'm 49 years old. I can't work out like I used to, right? I can't throw up 300 pounds on the bench. That's the last thing I want to do. You, used you know, to to I need to be intentional. <laughs> yeah. I used to be able to throw up 300 <laughs> some down, you know, pounds on the bench. And I, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but I even curled 70 pounds at one time. Oh, watch like out dumbbells. Aaron Friedman. Oh, Aaron's got nothing. Ah, he, he's got nothing. He's, he's got nothing. He's got nothing. <laughs> He might have some on me today, but not back in the day. Although he wasn't, he wasn't all natural back then. <laughs> but no, intentionality is so important for productivity and efficiency and focus. I, I mean, honestly, um, you know, I'm, I've never really been a fan of the hey, we're just going to go out there and you know whatever happens happens type deal. You know, and, and that's just me. Like I go on vacation. I have a spreadsheet that's color coordinated. I say, listen, I maximize fun. I'm not saying that everyone's got to do it, but this is where we're going. I'm prepared. I'm intentional on when I'm going on vacation. Do you pl- do you make the spreadsheet yourself? I do. I do. People look at it and go, there's no way I could travel with you until they travel <laughs> with me. And then they go, Mike, can you put, I'm thinking of going here. Can you put a spreadsheet together? I'm like, you know, absolutely. Just, you know, tell me what it is that you're looking to do and I'll put it together. It's again, and then people are like, well, that just seems so regimented. I just like to chill. I'm like, okay, that's great. I don't want to wake up at 10 o'clock, go eat breakfast. And then, you know, I've already lost six hours of daylight to, Mm. hey, I am, I'm in the middle of a place that I'm not living at on a regular basis and I'm not going to take advantage of it. I mean, I want to maximize my fun. Like I went to London, you know, when I went to Napa, I mean, it's all Napa and San Fran. It's just, it's all mapped out. Do you keep them? Do you keep the old spreadsheets? Of course, because I give them out all the time. I feel like that's like a dig- like a little digital book you can have. Yeah. Oh, it, it's funny. Well, someone said I should write a book, a Disney book, because I have, you know, all the tips and stuff like that and whatnot, you know, but then of course, you know, today everyone's, you know, the the internet has literally everything you could possibly think of, but it just, it's fun. How do you, so clearly you're an incredibly organized person. What do you use? What's your, what's your, what are your tricks and tools, you know, break down this? Yeah. I'm I'm a big calendar guy. Yeah. You know, if I, I put everything in my calendar, I put, you know, just even, you know, for, for prayer time, right. I have, I have three three pages of prayer. Now I I can't of prayer requests. I I can't obviously do it all and and go over it every day because it would I would be there for hours. 
But I'm just one of those that if you share something with me, I'm writing it down. I have ADHD. It's if I don't write it down, it's over. Mm-hmm. Like if, if it's not in my calendar, I'm not showing up. Yeah. You know, so, you know, for me, it's, you know, and I've tried all the productivity apps. Um, I'm also big into this. Come you know, baby. big post-it guy, a big post-it I guy. It's paper. Okay. I, I, I didn't want to show you all my post-its. I just figured I'd just show you one. <laughs> oh, man, I'm the same way. I, I actually deleted, I deleted Slack. I deleted a Santa. Yes. My buddy, my buddy's trying to get me on Milanote, which is, I guess, the better, I don't know. It's a good project sharing, creative project sharing from Evernote, but I deleted every single organization app in the last. Yep. 12 months. I said, there's just another thing to do for me. It is. It is. And and it's frustrating. Again, if, if it's important, it's in my calendar and that's, that's how I stay organized. Now, obviously, and again, I have, you know, my, my post-its where, you know, I'll have my six to eight things that I need to do and check off as I go. Yeah. No, man, I, I dig that. I dig that. It's, I think it's a gift and I don't think everybody has it. I don't think everyone, I think, you know, I think that some people's brains just operate in this structural way that they just see things. You know, I'll give you an example. So, you, you know, you're in logistics and different things like that. But, you know, so I'm in production of underwear and, and other things. And the way that my production manager sees a production of our underwear versus the way that I see it, it's not, it's not even the same. This, I can't believe we're both humans. The, she sees it so much differently than I do. And it sounds like you're similar that you can kind of put things into these very deep organized boxes. Whereas my boxes end up being just a pile of boxes in like the center of a room that I don't know which box is which. <laughs> right. Right. And, and don't get me wrong. I do need to go back and then organize from time to time. Trust me. Right. It's, it is, but I, I am, and, and I'm a cleanser too as well, right? I mean, I'll throw something out if I haven't done, you know, haven't worn it in a, in a certain period of time. And I just, I can't hoard. It's I'm like, a I, I'm, I'm a minimalist. Yeah. When I did like that, a lot. When did that happen for you? Of the minimalist thing? Yeah. You know what? I think I've always liked nice things, but I didn't need a lot of them. Because mm-hmm. look, I only do, I can only do so many things. Right. So I always had a nice surfboard. I'll always have nice golf clubs or golf clothes. Like I'm not a big car guy. I mean, I have a Jeep, you know, it's, it's pimped out, but I'm not like a Porsche, a Lamborghini or anything. Like I don't need that. Like for me, you know, I I just don't like a lot of stuff. I just like stuff that's small and nice. They say that's one of the secrets to happiness is being satisfied with what you have. And I think that's part of what the minimalism movement is about. It's not about less. It's about intentionality and purpose and deep love for the things that you do have. I'm looking at your office, you know, for those listening, it's, it's clean. It's, you know, you feel like a breath, like ease you you being in there. Right. And, and I, I imagine so. And it takes us out of this consumerist mindset to kind of tap into, well, no, there's, I don't need six cars. I need one car. I like, I don't need exactly. 10 of these. I need one of these. I like, you know, suit jackets, surfboards, you know, these different things. I, I'm still trying to find the secret sauce. So I'm trying to find like, it's, it's kind of an obsessive compulsive project where I'm constantly tweaking my assortment of things 
whittling it down to say, no, this is the one thing I need. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like I'm buying a ton of it, but I haven't found my like my exact setup yet. If that right, are you there? Are you all the way there? You're like, I'm set. Like, I, you know what? Here's here's you know what you made a great point by the way, and and that is just being uh, content with what you have. So we we recently moved down to Charleston two years ago, and our house wasn't ready when we moved down. So we rented a twelve hundred and fifty square foot house. Now we moved from a thirty five hundred square foot house to twelve hundred and fifty square feet, and guess what? Every day I was so thankful for being there. Yeah, you know, and and just content. It provided everything I needed, right? Shelter, a place to congregate, a place to cook, a place to eat. Did it allow us to do the thing that we love to do, which is entertain? It it definitely choked it, you know what I mean? From from a from from time to time, because we like to have a hundred people at our house. So, you know, once we moved in our new house, you know, we we have that ability, but it's it's just look wherever you are just be content with what you have doesn't mean that you don't strive to do other things and and whatnot but listen I I just I do not chase material things I've been to zero like negative so in 09 as you could probably imagine 09 was a complete and total train wreck the we had no business for one year zero income one year two kids, mortgage, business, all that stuff. One month away from bankruptcy, guess what? I never lost joy. Mm -hmm. I never lost joy, you know? All I could do was if I'm doing everything that I can, right, to figure out and to land a client and to do all that stuff, I mean, what else can I do? And I need to do something differently, right? You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, but expecting a different result. I had to be creative, I had to try new things. I had to network more. I had to do this. I had to do that. All that. But don't lose that contentment. So what was your mantra? You know, how did you, because it must have been hard sometimes to maintain that joy. I mean, what did you say to pick yourself back up when it started to feel like the darkness was creeping in? Because it's never about what you don't have, but what you do have. Mm-hmm. And when you have that perspective it doesn't matter. I, I remember when we started, uh, you know, our company or when we had our first, I should say, prior to starting our company, uh, when we had uh, our first kid, I told my, you know, my wife and I were in agreement that she was staying home. She was going to be a stay at home mom. And I don't care if I'd have to live in a cardboard box. My wife is staying home with my kids. Yeah, we you know, the same she, thing. she's going to raise them. I don't care. And you know what? We moved. We sold everything. We sold the houses. We sold the cars. We bought a small townhouse. We bought used cars. We just, we decided this is what we thought was important. And guess what? Uh, We started our business. um, My brother and I, our first business uh, about six, seven months later. And then that took off, you know, by the grace of God. And then within a year, we bought a new house. We bought a new car and all that stuff. It was just, you know, we just had our priorities. You know what I mean? We just prioritize a certain way. And just, again, I don't care, again, where I live, material things, because all that stuff is replaceable. Mm-hmm. Our health isn't, our family, all those things. What we do together, that that is something that you know you can't you can't uh, can't pay for. When did you decide that it was time to start sharing your lessons through, 
you know, podcast through speaking and stepping into that realm, you know, when did you decide that? How did you package these, these messages into a way that you thought people could digest them that would be beneficial to them? You know, can you walk me through that? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know what? I think I always enjoyed, uh, you know, teaching people, inspiring them, just, you know, sharing my experiences and whatnot, because it's, it's just fun, right? It's fun pouring into people. It's fun seeing people be the best version of themselves. And, you know, over the years, obviously having a business, you know, I did presentations, you know, probably multiple times a year and just always enjoyed it. And people are like, Mike, you know, you need to do this professionally. You need to do this professionally. And I'm like, yeah, right. I have this business, that business, three kids. I'm coaching. I haven't, you know, I'm doing networking. I'm married. I'm like, there's no way I can do this. And then I guess probably about four, four, yeah, probably about four years ago, I had someone call, come over my house and said, Hey, Mike, listen, we're looking to, uh, we're looking for a speaker at a national women's conference. Would you be interested? I would love for you to speak on social capital. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Count me in. She's like, oh, okay, great. Can you send me over your speaker kit? I'm like, my what? She's like, speaker kit. She's like, you know, because, you know, we, we have a board and whatnot, and they need to know, like, you know, about you and where you spoke. And I'm like, I mean, I had only spoken where people referred me and, you know, spoke in large groups and stuff like that. And that there at that point, I just said, okay, guy, you're pushing me out. I, and I spent the next, you know, 10 months to a year kind of putting together the brand and, you know, away we went. It it wasn't something where I was like, hey, this I'm going all in on right now. I'm going to build it knowing that mm-hmm. 10 years from now, you know, this, this is going to be my new gig where, you know, we're traveling all over the world, you know, which my wife and I love to travel. And guess what? I'm able to do it and then speak. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the big vision. It's just that, you know what, things happen, things change, COVID comes, and now this becomes, you know, an opportunity, which not like ever before. And you know what, uh, just doing workshops, you know, for companies, you know, sales teams and whatnot with businesses. And then I'm getting ready to kick off a masterclass called the Opposite Entrepreneur Masterclass. So I'm totally stoked for that. Can't wait to be able to inspire people and help them do all the things that everyone told them that they can't. You and I were talking before the podcast started about how much work goes into a podcast. You kind of quantified that it was maybe five hours of additional work from the podcast itself, right? And and I think that a lot of people don't quite realize that. You know, sure, put, turn on the fucking mic and go is some people's thing, but other people, it's like, oh, no, I'm going to get intentional about my questions and my guests and stuff like that. Have you built a framework that allows you to assess the value of your time as you move into these these different these different verticals of being a, a persona that shares a thought leader? I should say, not a persona. Again, with podcast, you know, you and I just did something on TikTok, like choosing to do TikTok versus something else, choosing what gigs to do, knowing that like. Okay, yes, you have your framework of of different topics that you speak on, but maybe they want you to speak on something else. And you know that that's going to be 15, 20 hours of 
research and practice, not to mention the angst and, and of or the nerves of practicing it. How do you go about structuring this side of your life with everything that you el- else you have in terms of the, the choices that you make for the outcomes that they will give you? Yeah, you know what? That's a great question. And number one is, is Ken, whatever it is that I'm going to do, can I do in excellence? Yeah. You know, that's number one. If I can't, I'm either all in or I'm all out. That that's just my personality. I if if I get involved into something and you know what I'm I'm one foot in one foot out. I, I'm just I I know I'm not effective. I know that th- there's not going to be as much impact. Can I do it in excellence? Then I you know first that's number one. Can I do it in excellence? And then two, if I'm going to do something, then I need to give out give up something. Mm-hmm. So what is going to be that return? You know so. You know, the goal, I mean, the goal was to start the master class, you know, last year, but guess what? You know, our auditing business was taking off. So I couldn't put the focus. So if I couldn't put the focus on delivering excellence in my master class, well, then I can't launch it at that point. And so what if it's down the road? It doesn't matter if it's a year later, right? It's making a determination on, hey, what is a priority? It's just like every day that when we come to the office or when we wake up, hey, guess what? There's this, that, and this. Now you need to prioritize. Mm-hmm. And it's prioritizing you know, your, your decisions. But first and foremost, can I deliver excellence in whatever it is that I'm going to do? And if I can't, I can't do it. And where are you seeing the best return? Is it of time? Is it TikTok? Is it your, is it your new tips and 10 sort of short form podcast? Is it IG LinkedIn? Like where are you seeing those, the benefits coming back to you for time spent on platform? You know, it's one of the things, and and I share with you is because the amount of time that it took to do a podcast, you know, like you said, I mean, five to six hours, that's a lot of time. That's time on me. That's time on my team, you know, and Again, everything is about testing and measuring. Just because, you know, someone does podcasts and they do it well or they have a big following doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be us. You know, we might be delivering to a different audience. Mm-hmm. And and two, maybe, you know, what is the point of your podcast? You know, is is the podcast something that, you know, helps with brand awareness? Is it delivering content here? Does it allow you to do uh, break up the content so you can, you know, post on different, you know, social media platforms? It's just all, what is the point of doing it? Mm-hmm. You know, what what is the end result that you're looking to get? And guess what? It's testing and measuring. It's trying it. Like, hey, I'm going to do a podcast. Let's see where it goes. I've never done one. I'm going to do it. Okay. Does it work? Um, it worked. It reached a lot of people. It impacted people. I mean, all those things are great. But then I found like, hey, you know what? I don't have the time that maybe I once had. How do I make this better and more efficient? Mm-hmm. What about tips and 10? Let's spend 30 minutes doing something. And TikTok, I'm getting ready to launch TikTok. I don't know if it's going to you know, do it, right. but I'm doing it. Yeah. You know? Well, you're hearing a lot about you know, that working. And I, and I, I feel you, man, like you and I were supposed to do this podcast in January. It's kind of what I mentioned in the intro. And I had just finished a year of almost a podcast a week, which was my commitment. And then some business stuff took precedent. And I was like, something has to go. And the podcast was, I didn't want to be done with it, but I, 
you know, I didn't blog and I didn't podcast for six months or what are we four and a half months till today? You know, it's, it's a tough choice though. Cause you're building some momentum and, and to your point, you know, where, where do you define success with what had been done leading up to that point with the podcast and who, who had it reached and you had a great podcast and, and you did a fantastic job with it. And, and tips and 10 is great too. And I think that the masterclass is, is going to be really interesting. So tell me more about that. What is it about and wh- you know who has access to it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be accessible to anyone, right? It's going to be accessible glo- you know, globally. Uh, it's going to provide all of the content required in order to start a business, you know, whether it be, you know, business planning, hiring, uh, you know, you name it that, you know, there's 15 to 20 different videos on, you know, starting a business, running a business, scaling a business. And then we're going to have, you know, webinars twice a month. So, you know, whether it be myself or, you know, guests that we're coming on that are experts, you know, in their fields and, you know, being, you know, answering questions, you know, for people, because a lot of it is, Hey, look, you know, we're going to be telling you about, you know, what are the best practices and strategies, but what questions do you have, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's going through that and then just being that sounding board too, for the people look again, I just want to help people to do it. Yeah. That's number one, because that is typically the biggest challenge and issue for entrepreneurs. And I just want them to know that they can, Yeah, they can do it. Yeah. You know, don't overthink it. Don't overprocess it. Again, my wife's a great example, honey, you're overthinking everything. Nothing is going to ever be perfect. I don't care. Just go and post, Mm -hmm. get the word out, let everyone know you don't need, you know, to have a business and LLC at this point, just go do it. And then as it grows, then you start wrapping that with insurance and, you know, an (laughs) LLC and all that kind of stuff. It's okay. You know, it's okay. Like you said, you might have problems. You might, but you might've made mistakes that have to be fixed, but to your point, there's no problems. They, most of there's almost nothing as bad as I've screwed up in the past that wasn't fixable or That's that wasn't it. Right. Or, or wasn't an opportunity baked into a big problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hey, guess what? Mistakes are going to happen. Problems are going to come up. You're just going to solve them. Yeah. That's all. And guess what? I mean, it's, it's not like life or death. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of times we get so caught up in that. Yeah, we do. You know, I want to, well, it's interesting that that, because I'd wanted to segue at about this point, quite, quite a different segue. <laughs> and when you talk about the things being life or death, not being life or death, we're, we're living in a time when, you know, everything is sort of a state of crisis, a state of moral crisis, a state of panic. We're, we're siloed. We're in, in the most, at least on the surface, divisive time in the history of Western sorry, in, in modern Western history, right? And I was recently listening to a podcast with Rain Wilson. Rain was on the Rich Roll podcast, and he was talking about the need for a spiritual revolution in America. Now, he's a Baha'i. So a Baha'i, for those who don't know, is, is a religion that essentially, if I understand it correctly, recognizes Muhammad, Jesus, Buddha, all of them, and and it's kind of it has its own take on you know their part, parts in history and how that continues forward. Um, but he was he was really getting into this idea of coming back to religion 
as very important. And that struck me that I saw it and, and at the same time as I was about to have you on, because you're very much vocal about, at least from what I've seen on social media, about the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get your take on it, on that. And it, it, because this isn't a topic I understand at great depths, I wanted to maybe the entry point maybe to this, this part of the conversation because I do agree on a broad scale about this. You know, my dad is a Christian, my brother is a Christian, and I just see the bedrock of that religion. And, you know, my wife's a very, very spiritual person in, in how she practices. And I see the bedrock that this provides for people. So you have on your Facebook two things that I that I that caught my attention. One was this idea of spiritual warfare and this this idea of like, why is this happening to me? And and, and sort of you have an answer to that. And, and then you had something else where you said there's nothing like reading the Bible for the first time when you actually understand it versus just reading it and not understanding it. And that's a terrible phrasing of a question and it's kind of open-ended. But I just I wanted to get your sense on your spirituality on those things, on what on what Christianity can teach us today in this world that we're in, you know, just riff, go for sure. it. Sure, absolutely. I, you know what I, you know my my let's I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down into two things. So number one is my religious um, experience uh, initially was about 26 years. Um, you know, I was you know part of a denomination that focused on religion and being religious. So that's where it's all about, you know, the do's and don'ts, uh, you know, you know, based on works, like what is it that I do that's going to earn me to where, I mean, at the end of the day, what, what is, what is the goal here on earth? Are we, are we all going to live forever on earth right now as we are in our human flesh? No, we're a hundred percent guaranteed we're all going to die right i mean it's it's an automatic we're all going to be birth we're all going to die so for 26 years uh, i was part of a denomination that just believed that hey you know what go to church once a week you know go to confession uh you know do the best that you can and if you're good enough then bang you're going to be in heaven because everyone does you know why would god create man for to have people go to hell. And you know what? That was something that I was believed and was a part of and said, hey, that, that makes sense. And then fast forward to my wife and I, we were uh, getting married and we had just gotten engaged. And uh, we asked a friend of ours, you know, who was a part of the denomination, if he would marry us. And we were getting married outside of the church at where we were having our reception. And he said, look, I will not marry you uh, because if it's not in the church, it's not going to be in God's eyes. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Well, I guess we're just going to get married by just of the peace. And away we went. Well, about a week later, my mom calls me up and says, you know, Mike, uh, you know, your your cousin, like your second cousin is a pastor and a professor at Philadelphia Bible University. Maybe he'd be interested. And I'm like, all right, mom. Well, I haven't talked to him in years. You call him. So he agreed to meet with us. 
not necessarily marry us because he just wanted to just kind of see where we were and where we stood. So we go over to his house and we catch up for an hour. And then he asked me and, and my wife, Lauren, a question. And he says, what are you going to tell God when you see him? And I'm like, huh, man, I have the answer of answers. I said, one, I'm a good guy. Two, I never killed anyone. And three, in college, the priests wanted me to be a priest. I said, I even though I partied for four days in a row, I went to church every Sunday. And he's like, Mike, that's great. He goes, but I'm going to take you to Romans 10.9. And it says, confess with your tongue that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he uh, that he uh, rose on the third day and you'll be saved. And then at that point, I was like, wait, something's something doesn't make sense here. Like, th- th- I, I don't feel like I'm a part of this. You know, I said, I, th- there has to be something that I have to do. And he said, no, it's done. It's paid for. You know, it's accepting that free gift. It's believing in it. It's repenting of, you know, the lifestyle that you've been living instead of living for yourself, living for him. And it was at that point that something got a hold of me. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't make any decisions at that point, and neither did my wife. And uh, he kind of saw that there was a change in like our conversations. I, I don't know what it was. He's like, look, I'm going to agree to marry you under uh, a, you know three conditions. You start going to Bible-leaving church. You're, we're going to uh, do premarital counseling that's going to be Bible-based, and you can't live together. And I said, hey, I am in for two out of three. <laughs> I, I was like, uh, I ain't given I ain't given up the booty, you know, at that time. And uh, you know what? Uh, he still married us. He showed us the grace, still loved on us, never became judgmental. And then it was about two, three months after our wedding. My wife and I both accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we became what's called born again. So that there, you know, when when we had that initial conversation and I started that premarital counseling, I went from the mindset or belief that I'm I need to be part of I need to be religious. When if you look all throughout Scripture, uh, especially in the New Testament, like Jesus hated religious people. It's all about a relationship, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that changed. And then you know, opened up my eyes to reading the, you know, the word of God or the Bible from a totally different perspective. Hence what, you know, like you were just talking about earlier about what I wrote is, you know what I, I could, you know, prior to me being saved, I mean, the way that I read the Bible was just like, it's just black and white when there's so much more than that. Also understanding, you know, what each, you know, verse means and, you know, everything's been translated. So, you know, it's completely different. And obviously the culture is different, five, seven, 2000, whatever, how many years you're, you know, depending upon what uh, book you're reading. So it's, it's, uh, that's kind of my story of how I got, let's say, you know, involved into being more involved spiritually. But at the end of the day, me, when I say it, it's all about relationship, right? It's going from religion to relationship. And, that's why it's like 
think about this. How good would your relationship with your wife be if you just met once a week for one hour? Mike, so what changes then? I get I get the sense I know the answer, but what changes if if when somebody decides to take in Jesus and mm-hmm. they have this relationship, mm-hmm. what changes in the world? The changes when they have a relationship with Jesus, you know, going back to rain, the need for a spiritual revolution that changes things in, in the world around us in the way that we live our lives and the way that we treat each other, you know, react, respect our points of view, our different points of view, you know, what changes that? You know what? I, I think the big thing is, it's, it's not like your problems go away. Yeah. You know, it's not like, Hey, Oh, you know what? Mike got saved. He's born again. And now, you know, Hey, the Christian life is just so simple and easy. I wish I would have done this a long time ago. It's, it's your 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 perspective changes because you know that God is in control. The Bible says that man makes the plans, but God directs our steps. Now, I mean, we're not robots or anything like that, but it's just that comfort of knowing that, hey, you know what? Regardless of what takes place, I'm going to have joy because I know where my destination is, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, you know, the word of God says, you know, everyone is going to have eternal life. The question is, where is it going to be spent? Is it going to be spent there or there? Mm -hmm. And there's only one question that's going to be asked to each and every one of us when we pass away and we go in the front of the judgment, you know, judgment seat of God. He's going to say, what'd you do with my son? That's all he's going to ask. What did you do with my son? Did you accept him or reject him? He's not going to say, did you do this for that particular person? Did you do that for that particular person? Did you speak in tongues? Did you uh, change the world? No, that's not it. Just that one question. So that is the number one question in life that people need to answer, that I pray that they know the right answer and that they truly do recognize that it's a heart decision, not a head decision. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, you have, you said it, I, I can't remember if it was on this podcast or the one we did just before this podcast, which was about respecting other people and no matter what their viewpoint was, and and especially in America and the bedrock of democracy and what makes you know America the great made the America the great country that it is or was, depending on your feeling of today. And again, looking at okay, so what is what does Mike and Lauren when they when they accept God and and for anybody else who maybe they maybe they're not in in your specific denomination, but mm-hmm. the act of having that relationship, how does it change how we treat others? How does sure. it change how we you know what did it teach you about tre- treating yeah. others? And, and you know does that kind of make sense? It does. It makes complete sense. And the answer is do unto others that you would have done to you. So that doesn't change. I I don't sit there and say, hey, what do you believe? And that's going to determine how I treat you. Yeah. Right. I'm going to respect every person regardless of their background, their whatever their beliefs are. I I I have to respect it. Right. Because that's just, you know, again, 
you know, love your neighbor as yourself. When 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 Jesus was asked by his disciples, you know, what are what is the greatest commandment? He said, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, body, and soul. And number two is to love your neighbor as yourself. So I if I am not loving my neighbor as myself, I am not living out my faith. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not living out my faith, how can I lead others to the cross? Mm-hmm. Right. It's look, I always tell people when people say, you know, what what is the biggest challenge that keeps people from, you know, accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And I say the people, me, myself, people, we get in the way of the gospel. And that's why when someone says, Hey, you know, hey, you know, this particular person did this and did that. You can't tell me that they're a Christian. I said, guess what? I get it. Guess what? We live in a fallen world, sinful. We make terrible decisions all day long. But that's why our faith isn't in me. It's not in that person or that person. It's in Jesus who lived the perfect life, who died on the cross, sinless, and rose from the dead so we may have eternal life. And without that, that is the reason for our faith. So, to, to me, it's like, I, I I mean, I need to point to the person that, it, that it's, that it's all about. I mean, it's all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And w- again, I, I totally respect everyone's beliefs, whatever they may be, but I just need to share what everyone needs to obviously figure out what truth is. And Jesus made some serious, serious statements that bothers a lot of people. I mean, he's a controversial person, right? I mean, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, there's no other person in the world of civilization that that we know of that claim to be God and being the only way to God. Mm-hmm. So that being said, there's only three things that Jesus can be. He can be Lord. So I, he's truth. He's a liar. I mean, I, I mean, do you, are you saying that Jesus is a liar by, because if, if you, if you don't believe it or he's a lunatic, he's just, you know, he's lost his mind. So what is he? Th- that's the, you know, the, 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 you know, the hundred million dollar question that people need to determine, answer, decide on. It's interesting. And it's bold. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's available for everyone, by the way. Well, yeah, absolutely. That. And that's the beauty of it. It's well, it absolutely is. And it's it's something that I, you know, Rain was talking about because he had grown up Baha'i and then he'd come away with it with fame and found himself in drugs and alcohol and addiction. And then he went back to faith. But he said he he had to start the journey back into faith with the simple question of do I even believe in God? Mm-hmm. And once he had an answer to that question, then, you know, it was, okay, well, then how, how do I believe in it? Like, what do I do with this information? And I just, I see so much clarity and intentionality, your two words, in the people in my life that are Christians. And I find that just fascinating. I find that fascinating that, you know, for one, they state they stayed Christians through what was, you know, a lot of years of ridicule sort of in the atheist technocrat movement of the internet age, right? Which is, you know, I think that we're in sort of a post atheist time where people are looking again and saying, well, the world is pretty dark. 
if everything that I'm seeing in the media or not the media in the alternative media <laughs> is true, or at least half of it, and the corruption runs that deep and this and that, and it's dark. Where is mm -hmm. the light? <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think that it's a, I think that it's a beautiful question to, to live into. And I think that, you know, one, I don't know if your Facebook is public or just for friends only, but you know, I think you post a lot of really beautiful things on there, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not. And I think that, I think that we should pay attention and we should get curious and we should learn from people like yourselves or, or the people in, yeah, in your community that, that have studied this for some time. Like my father, my father has studied it a great deal. And you know, he came back into it, I want to say four years ago, you know, from, being evangelical as a 20, 20 something to mm. a atheist, to a Buddhist, you known back to a Christian. And, and he continues to study it. He continues to study his own faith and question his own faith. Anyway, that's a, that's a topic that I would, you know, if you ever wanted to do another podcast, you know, with yourself and or with yourself and a few others, and I'd love to just dive into it. Right. And, you know, we don't, we've already been talking for an hour and a half, so I don't want to, and this is just the tip of the, you know, tip of the iceberg, but I appreciate you sharing it and yes. allowing me to go there. And we've talked a lot about business and, you know, and being intentional and mindset. And is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about on this? I, I wouldn't say there's anything, but I, I do want to share that, you know, while talking about business is great, our, our time here is short right on on here and it's it's focusing on the big picture you know as you know like you know like in terms of from a visionary standpoint big picture i mean the long term at the end of the day the most important thing is are you prepared for what happens afterwards is afterwards so you know to me like we fill all of this time and whatnot but what is our purpose mm -hmm. what is our true purpose you know and my true purpose is to change lives. Mm -hmm. And if it's through business, that's great. If it's through serving in other capacities, that's great. But I mean, my my number one thing is, is that I care about people so much that I just want to make sure that they're heading in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So that's all I wanted to share. Well, and I want to, I want to echo that that's a, that's an authentic statement from you. And we don't know each other super well, but we know each other you know, through Aaron, who we joked about and, and um, through, you know, being on each other's podcasts, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, you invited me to your house without knowing me at all. I said, stay, bring your family, stay as long as you want. Yep. You know, we'll take you around South Carolina. Nobody offers me that. Anyway, don't You're offer always you. welcome. You know, but, but that's, that's when, you know, somebody shows where they're at. A statement like that. So I, I just want to echo that, not kiss your ass, but echo that and, and say it's real. Yeah. And I think you're an exceptional human being and I'm, I'm really grateful to know you and I'm really grateful for, for you sticking with my three cancellations and still doing this podcast. I'm, um, I'm grateful to be on here, brother. <laughs> where can people, where do you want people to find you these days with all the stuff you got going on? Sure. I would just say, you know what, you know, based on uh, this podcast, I would say MikeRegina.io. Mm -hmm. um, would be, uh, you know, a great place, you know, to, uh, learn more, can, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, um, you know, another opportunity or the opposite entrepreneur, uh, you know, on Instagram, 
and, you know, happy to help out whatever way that I can. Um, you know, I would love to bring value, whatever that way that is. And I'm, I'm grateful for just the opportunity to be on here. And I understand how things, you know, priorities come into play. And guess what? You know what? You got to be flexible. Yeah. Right. You got to be flexible. And, you know, I, I appreciate you and I respect you tremendously. Uh, you're definitely someone that I look up to, you know, from a business, you know, from business, you know, man to businessman and just from a person. I enjoy I follow your follow your, you know, your Facebook posts. And I love seeing all the stuff that you guys are doing. And it's just so manly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was good to hear. I didn't, I didn't look at it that way. Now I'm like oh, feeling God. kind of puffed up. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. Like I'm watching like the other day, like one guy got a camera and you got like, I don't know if it was a coffee or something. You guys are all freezing. I'm like, dude, Oh, we were up in, um, we were, we were ice fishing up like, yes. So, you know, so we were, we were parallel to like Juneau, Alaska, mm. uh, but we were still in British Columbia in dead of winter, minus 22. That was, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. So that was my cousin's trap line. He lives there full time in the, oh dead, my gosh, like dead of winter bug season in the spring heat of summer when all the grizzlies are roaming he is out there in the middle of nowhere and he just he chose it he chose he saved up for i don't know five ten years working at a, a mill and just bought a trap line he has to operate it to a certain level to keep it but he just wanted to be in nature wow yeah yep hey <laughs> that floats your boat baby let's go you gotta do what you love yeah, talk you know? about minimalism. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, that's, yes. But there's something to it. I mean, that's that's what one of my new TV shows. That's what that was from. Is is okay. um, It's about learning how to rewild and learning how to yep. live off the land and learning why that matters so much to some people. From my, I'm the one learning it from the people right. doing it. And right. It's just been. I mean, there's something romantic about it, but it's also pretty harsh. <laughs> it is. It is. But I mean, it it's. Look, if it's something that it's a challenge to him too, as well, you know, I mean, everyone's got a different challenge and, and a different, uh, and how it is that you want to do it. You got to be, have that passion and purpose. He's got both of them, yeah. you know, with that. It gets in your blood. It yep. absolutely does. That nature seeps in and you start to wonder, we just had, we just had some relatives down who live near him, but they live in the city. Okay. They live in the town of like a hundred people near him, maybe not even a hundred people. And they came down and they had, cause he had to renew his passport. And, and, um, I said, oh, can't wait to get back home. Can't even handle a day in Vancouver. You know, you just, as soon as you've had that quiet life, you are. Yep. Anyway. Yep. Conversations for when I'm visiting you in, in uh, Charles. You're, it would be awesome. Well, you know what I'm waiting on. Forget I'm, waiting, I'm, I'm waiting for the border to open up. <laughs> <laughs> That's, right. That's yeah, right. I you know what? I don't even know what's going on there. It still hasn't. You're like one of three countries in the world. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Ridiculous. Mike, That's you are one. you are such an awesome human. And Appreciate you, brother. We will we'll post where to find you in the notes and we'll look forward to doing this again. Okay. Can't wait, dude. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. All right. All right. Peace, brother. brother. Peace. Bless you, man. Bless Bye. you.
As always, thanks so much for listening to The Ramble. We know there is a lot of podcasts out there, so we thank you for choosing to listen all the way through on this one. You know, we want to be part of the, the solution, the, the good questions, the things that move you and inspire you and make you want to connect deeper with yourself and others, you know, all that great stuff. So if the spirit does move you, subscribe, share, post, anything. We'd be forever grateful. And if you have any comments or feedback, good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. We're here to listen. Guests you think we should have on. Of course, send them along. Thank you. And until next time, peace. Hey, thanks so much for making it to the end of the podcast. I know that my self and of course my guests really appreciate you listening all the way through you know, they put a lot of time into their projects and their ideas and and you know, they're very thoughtful with how they they bring themselves and show up on the show and so i'm really grateful that uh, that you've listened all the way through you know we don't have ads on the show i think i don't think red circles running ads but i wanted to take just a quick second to say that hey if the spirit moves you you know this podcast can be brought to you by some of the wild, fun, wacky, creative things I do. I always try and stay in the practice of creativity, whether that's writing or working on films or uh, just about anything. I, I try and be very diligent that I'm I'm doing it consistently. And so, you know, as a result of that, I put some things out and and I'd love for you to check them out. You know, one is uh, Getting Naked, The Bare Necessities of Entrepreneurship and Startups. That's my book and you can get it anywhere where books are sold online like Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or Indigo. And uh, it's the story of my company, Naked Underwear, the first company I started that went from a failed attempt on Dragon's Den, um, your, that's your Shark Tank in America, to the NASDAQ and was eventually divested. And it has a ton of tips and ideas for startups, very practical advice, but it's always also interwoven with my own story, which I think entrepreneurs and creatives and artists can really, uh, would really relate to, uh, you know, it has almost 155 ish star, four and a half star reviews. And I think people, if you're going through, you know, a startup need some motivation, need some ideas, just want to feel like, Hey, there's a kindred spirit out there. You know, it's a great book to check out. Also, you can check out my blog at joelprimus.com forward slash blog, where I write a couple of blogs a month about a variety of topics, a lot of stuff on fitness, things like how to know when to quit, a lot of personal development, psychedelics, all kinds of things. Everything's written from a personal lens. And, uh, you know, it's just a great way to digest a little bit of hopefully fun and helpful and inspiration. And of course, keep checking out this podcast, The Ramble on the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever your podcatcher of choice is. Thanks again and have an awesome day, week, month, whatever it is.